0: Hey, Justin here with Stay-at-Home Dad's podcast. Welcome to the place. I talk about a lot of different things that go on in my stay-at-home dad life. Things with my kids, my family, being a better father and a better husband, men's mental and physical wellness, parenting struggles that I have. I talk about successes as well. I also talk about parenting tips, life tips, just things that I come across in my daily life and things I find online. And lastly, just random things that I think about, that I find interesting, that I question, I come on here and I share with you. So hopefully something in there, like I always say, is helpful, is educational, is uh, enlightening. But anyways, thank you for listening, thank you for tuning in today. All right, so, speaking of those random things that I typically just yammer on about, kind of like I did last week, I'm going to do the same this week. So no real parenting, I don't know, advice. No real wisdom from a random guy talking into a microphone. So anyways, I left off last week and I didn't have time to talk about this whole EV story when we were out looking at dogs, at puppies, which by the way, We're still doing, we're still poking around. We're still calling it is, I don't know. I think I am over analyzing it. We're going to these places and we're seeing these dogs in kennels and they just, they just live there. And I I, I have a hard time comprehending that, that that's their purpose, I guess. And we're going to places that have great reviews online, great reviews on Google, stuff like that. And it smells like piss. There's dogs everywhere. I mean, I guess that's what you should expect. You're at a breeder. But yeah, they they come with great reviews. Some websites are even saying that they're preferred breeders and yada yada. But not to digress into last week's episode. Because if you want to hear about all of that... Just go back and listen a week, and, and uh, there you go. But this week, or last week, when we were driving to these places, we were taking my wife's Tesla, her EV. And it was, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, it was tricky. It was not as uncomplicated, as easy as you would think, or as it is when you drive a gasoline car. So, we drove up three hours away, we looked at these dogs, right, little doggos for the family, little Christmas surprise, potentially, we're not totally there yet, and we figure we're going to drive the Tesla because, hey, it's electric, it'll pretty much be a free trip, better than taking my big-ass diesel truck that gets 15 or 17 miles to the gallon, so be no cost for us, right? Easy, easy. Easy. So we drive up there, like I said, two and a half, three hours away. 157 miles one way. I just looked on my phone, only 157 miles. My wife's car, technically, when it's at a full charge in my garage, it says around 260 to 70 mile range, okay. So yeah, we're going to have to charge some point in there. So we drive up, we make a pit stop, we make a planned stop at about 130 miles up to charge the car. We figure that'll give us enough juice to get to the breeder place and then make it home or make it close to home without having to recharge again. Because this breeder was way up Northern Indiana, very rural, very Amish country. So there's not a lot of technology going on up there. Um, So yeah, we figured this plan will help us out, right? So we make it to our first charge stop and I don't know, spend 20 minutes there or something. It charges pretty fast. Plus the car will let you know on the display, like how long you have to sit there to make it to your destination and make it through your your route that you're taking and so on. So it's kind of cool. So we charge it up, not to totally full, but where we figure that will you know, suffice, that we will be fine. So we go see the puppy place, check it out you know, like last week I talked about. And then we start to head home. Well, on the way up, we saw gas stations everywhere and then we saw these EV chargers at a lot of these gas stations, like Go EV or something like that. We're like, okay, cool. Like if we need a charger or if we need to, in a pinch, stop, then we'll swing into one of these places and juice it up and be on our merry way, right? So as we're leaving, we decide to search and punch in one of those chargers that we saw on the way up, because it being pretty much winter, I mean, it was spitting snow and cold out, the car is not getting near the range it usually gets. So that 260 miles that I said, 270 miles that I said, is not doing that on a full charge. So when we get to our initial planned stop, we're gonna be cutting it really, really close. If not, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of worried at this point. So we drive for a while. We pull into the EV charge dock place at some random stop. It's not a Tesla charge or anything. I think there's maybe 20% left on the car, maybe a little bit more. We're excited, right? No worries, not a problem. We'll just sit here and charge for a while, go use a restroom, and then we'll get home in time, meet our kids off the bus, and you know, perfect. Well, I back the car into the spot. I get out, start looking around, And what do you know? We don't have the right fucking adapter thing for this stupid ass charge station. I check all the docks, I check inside our car, there's no way this combo is gonna work. There's no way I can get this cord, this plug, in this car. So, shit. Now we're kinda really panicking because we have 20% or less on the car, we have to go use a Tesla supercharger. Like there's no other way around it. We have an adapter for the car that came with the car. I thought in apparently my ignorance that that was enough to plug into anything, but it isn't. So we are uh, in a pickle here. Now, after all this hubbub, we have like 15% on the car and we have to drive, I can't remember how far, but we got to drive to this Tesla charger, which is another, 30, 30, 40 miles away, something like that. So, so we hit the road and the car is now saying it's estimated charge left in the battery when we get to that location will be 3%. 3%! Nine miles left on this car before it turns into boat anchor status here. So yeah, we're stressing out now. We are freaking out a little bit. We're turning the power off. We're dimming the screens. We're turning the heat off. We're not charging our phones. Like, just killing everything. It's just dumb. It's just so dumb at this point. And we're panicking. So, as we drive, the car is, you know, giving us this estimated battery remaining. And I'm watching it. It's going down 8%, 6%, 5%. And I'm just thinking, oh boy. So, Thankfully, we pull into the supercharger. We have 3% left. We have 9 miles left on the car, like I said. We made it. Whew. We can move on, charge up the car, and get home. So, come to find out, which we did not know, like I stated, you have to have special charger adapters for these non-Tesla chargers. I don't, I don't know where they tell you that. They didn't tell us when we picked this thing up. And from what I can tell... I didn't see any type of brochure in the car that told me about it in there. So that is definitely news to me. I had no idea. Maybe, like I said, it's my own ignorance, I guess. So just frustrating that we needed to buy essentially a $150 adapter off of Amazon. And well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. we didn't have it then. We ordered it now since we've been home, but just dumb. I mean, these cars are good, right? They're great. They're, they're awesome for getting around town and doing your errands and dropping my kids off to school. But I do know that my big diesel truck, big diesel guzzling machine that's 20 years old will consistently go 400 miles or so on a tank of fuel. No matter how much electronics I have running, no matter how long I run the air conditioner, no matter really how fast I go, you know, within reason, heat on, it doesn't care. This desk is creaking and it's annoying me. And, and, little cherry here, I can swing into any one of the 100 fuel stations that we drove past on the way up here, and I don't need a special nozzle to fill my truck up. So, (sighs) I mean, I'm not shitting on EVs. I am not. Well, okay, maybe I am a little bit. Maybe I am taking a little duke a little bit, but, you know, they're good cars, but they have some infrastructure, I guess, issues or just dumb ownership issues. And I should just buy a whole attache case of adapters so I can just charge wherever I want to, right? I don't know. I'm ranting, I know. I told you from the beginning this episode is not really about jack shit. I'm just, just yapping into this microphone. So, I mean, they have their place. EVs have their place. It's just, I know I'm complaining about an, a nothing burger here, but I don't know. Sometimes I would just rather take that big, reliable truck that I know is not going to run out of fuel because I charged my phone a little more or because I ran the heat on my feet for an extra 20 minutes, you know? And like I said, I'll say it a hundred times, it's my own ignorance that made us sweat those last few miles. Yes, I'm new to EV stuff, I've never owned one. I should have looked into chargers and adapters possibly before, but also part of me is like, screw that, why should I have to do that? Shouldn't it just work? Shouldn't it just be streamlined? I mean, maybe I'm asking too much here, I don't know. And speaking of Streamline, I'm actually kind of surprised that these car makers don't have standardized ports. I know some do, so maybe it's just Tesla that's the odd car out here, but either way, no one wants to be buying four or five different adapters for different chargers and different brands if you want to take your car from here to Florida, you know? I guess if I just stick to Tesla only chargers, then maybe this is, like I said, this is a, a nothing topic. And if I just do Tesla chargers, then screw it. I don't have to worry about anything, right? But this whole EV thing, I know I'm kind of digging on this EV crap and really talking about something that is not related to stay-at-home dad-isms or parenting or anything like that. But hey, in my intro, I always say things that I think about and get hung up on, I'll come on here. So apparently that is what I'm doing right now. I am blabbing about one of those. So, sorry if you came here for some infinite wisdom that I sometimes maybe have. I'm sorry you're not getting that. But yes, this whole car EV craze, it is kind of an interesting topic to me. I know there are hardliners out there that are either one way or the other on this whole thing with EVs being the future and no gas is the future or gas needs to stay. And I guess I'm kind of in the middle Now that I own, now that I've experienced both sides of this, at least I am for now, not knowing the waste implications that may occur when these battery-powered cars no longer take a charge and they no longer work very well, just like our cell phones, right? And like I said, my daily driver, my wife's car is the EV, my daily driver is this big truck with a big engine. So it is quite the contrast. And it's like if we don't see the negative burning of fuels or we don't see the mining of lithium and we don't see the coal-fired energy plant. Sorry Chris and Eric if you're listening. Um, It's like if we don't see those things since those things are labeled so bad and if we don't see that happening with our own eyes then it's not a big deal. We don't see the mining of tons and tons of mineral to make a battery and if we don't see it then it's okay, right? Like, I don't see it. My trash gets picked up in front of my house. It doesn't pile up in my front yard. If it piled up in my front yard, I would be disgusted, right? But hey, I put it in the bin, and it magically disappears every Thursday. It's gone. A thought I had the other day about trash, not really shifting gears, but a little bit is if I told you, hey, I'm going to go out in my backyard and I'm going to dig a hole and bury my trash, you'd be appalled, right? You'd be like, what are you doing? Like, that's, that's, that's so wrong. You can't do that. But that's what happens when the trash man picks it up, or trash woman. They pick it up and they haul it off. They go bury it in a landfill. So I know different procedures and they have safety protocols, but still, bare bones basic. It sounds terrible when I word it that way, doesn't it? It's just... That kind of sticks in my head. I mentioned that to my family when they're here for Thanksgiving and it just sticks in my head. And sure, maybe it's easy for me to finger point EVs and point at them for their waste because that's kind of, sometimes that's what we hear about depending on where you get your news. But in reality, I mean, a lot of things are going to accrue a lot of waste and take a ton of energy to produce, right? It's not just EVs. I think that's just as of late, been in the spotlight for resource usage and other things. But I did just read, because of intensive battery manufacturing, building a new EV produces about 80% more emissions than building a comparable gas car. That's interesting, right? And in Driving, a Reuters article, in there they talk to the EPA and they state that break even points for EVs would be around the 15 to 20,000 miles. So they would have to drive 15 to 20,000 miles before they are producing less emissions than a comparable gasoline vehicle. So like a year, right? It's about a year of driving. And that aspect, according to that article, which I believe, I'm not some naysayer, that they are greener than fossil fuel cars, I guess, which I find interesting. It all just depends on a lot of data and where you get it from, where your power comes from, the figures and a bunch of other stuff that I don't necessarily understand. Because they said if an E V is just charging off of solely off of coal fired power plants, then it's gonna take more mileage to produce less emissions than a gasoline vehicle. So yeah, a lot of different uh details and, and things in there that like I said, I don't necessarily understand. I just try to, and I sit here and I talk about it, so. But I, despite all that, I'm still concerned with the lithium stuff that we hear about and the terrible mining conditions that you read about online and what that can do to the ecosystem, especially in some of these other countries that may not have the same regulations that we have here in the States. I would imagine a lithium mine ran here in the United States is gonna be run much differently than one in the Congo in Africa, which actually I think that's where this lithium boom is happening. So yeah, apples to oranges, sure. But also what the hell do we do with these huge batteries in 20 to 30 years when, like I said, when they're dead, when they no longer take a charge? Do they they get recycled? Do they really get recycled completely? What's the waste inside that aspect? Which granted you could say the same thing about normal combustion engine cars too, like what gets recycled? But sure, it takes resources to produce them. And yes, they have an impact on the environment. It's just like comparing oil and gas production to a lithium mine or a copper mine. Are they equally as bad for the environment? I suppose it's not so cut and dry. Is it cut and dry or cut and dried? I could never really figure that out. I'm still wondering apparently. I know I'm just beating this dead horse on EVs today, but uh, yeah, it's a changing of the times. I mean, possibly, I think, the heyday of the muscle cars and the big trucks with the big engines, I think that's going to come to a slow demise, I think to some degree. Yes, it will keep evolving, but it's going to change. It's going to kind of diminish. I mean, Dodge is dumping the big Hellcat, the big supercharged V8 engine, GM talks about moving to 100% EV in their whole lineup like by 2030 or something like that. If you think back to the 60s and 70s, big engines, right? 427s and big blocks and all that stuff and no one cared about anything back then. They didn't care about mileage, they didn't care about anything, they cared about more power. And what happened into what, mid to late 70s into the 80s? All those vehicles died, right? They all went by the wayside. They all got really tiny engines and they evolved. They kept going, but they were drastically different than what they started out as. I'm gonna bet though, that GM's not going to be completely EV. I'm gonna bet that their trucks are not going to turn that way. I mean, we all kind of see what's happened with the Ford Lightning. It hasn't been great for a working aspect. A guy tried towing his travel trailer across a couple of states. And he had to do the same thing we did in the Tesla, turn off all the heat, turn off all the screens, turn everything off just to try to make it to a charge station to charge his truck up. And he was getting some dismal amount of miles per charge. It was ridiculous, towing a travel trailer. So do I think construction companies and trucks and everything else are going to go all EV and leave the gasoline powered vehicles? No, I don't. Around town? Sure. Commuting? Awesome. Tesla does great. All these electric cars probably do great. They don't have a soul. No real feel. It's just an electric go-kart, but, you know, hey, it's got some nice features, right? So, there's that. So, how do I tie all this in? Let me finish this up here. How do I tie this into some sort of something so I don't totally waste your freaking day here talking about nothing? Tie this into fatherhood and parenting somehow, since... I haven't been doing a great job of that lately. I've been talking about dogs and breeders and now EVs, like what the hell, this is not part of my standard content. I should be talking about dads and bettering ourselves and our kids, right, fatherhood. But hey, maybe you're gonna buy an EV, so maybe this will come in somewhat handy, I don't know. Anyways, moving on here, Jesus Christ. All right, EVs and parenting. Let's see if I can do this here. So just like parenting and being a dad, this is where we need to become adaptable. We need to embrace change, especially as our kids grow, as they learn, and as they change, we need to change as well. Just like with EVs, I guess, you uh, get stuck on this fixation of gasoline power and, and engines and stuff, and you don't want to embrace this new technology. You don't want to embrace the change, right? despite how much we want to keep our kids the same, we can't. I would love for my kids to stay six and nine forever. They're two little girls, Olivia and Kennedy. I don't want them to grow up, or I don't want them to grow up too fast. I love their ages right now. They're so curious and excited about life and learning new things. I love it, but that's not how this works, right? We can't do that. So what do we need to do? I guess just like what's happening with this transportation shift, we too shift and adapt to the type of father our family needs, okay? And damn, I can't believe I'm making this correlation right now between EV automobiles and parenting, but shit, here I am, I'm doing it, right? But yeah, a lot of things that we do right now, they have to change. Communication styles, being more of an active listener, same goes with our spouses, right? Not just our kids actually paying attention to the conversations that we are engaged in and being engaged in those conversations. Don't just let the, the things that go in one ear and out the other, don't let that happen. I recently had a digression with that with my wife just yesterday, actually. She was out of town working. We have a water service that comes to town or it comes to our house. She said, hey, the water service is coming which that always has told me put out the empty five-gallon jugs and then they'll swap them out and leave the new ones. What did Justin do? Justin totally forgot. I told her oh yeah yeah sounds great water's coming cool. Did I get up and I do it? No I didn't. It went in in one ear and out the other and then she texts me later she called me and she's like hey water showed up and I said damn it I forgot to put the jugs out and I felt so awful. And she said, oh, that's, it's fine. She was very comforting and very positive. She's like, oh, it's fine. We'll just have to hang on to the empties, you know, for another two weeks or whatever and not a big deal. Then she's coming back from her me- work meetings and she says, hey, can you put on some potatoes? Can you cut up some potatoes and let them soak in some water so then when I get home, I can cook them up and have my lunch because I'm super hungry. I've been gone since 5 a.m. Yeah, perfect. I'll go cut your potatoes up. I'll take care of it right now. Did I do it? No, I didn't. I freaking blew it again twice in the same day. And when she got home and asked about her potatoes and I had to tell her, oh my gosh, I forgot to do something for you that you relied on me for, I could just see the disappointment in her face. And she didn't say anything. She was just like, oh, okay. Like I'll, I'll go ahead and do it right now. And I just felt like such an asshole. So my whole lesson right here is communication and active listening, right? Just really paying attention with your spouse, with your kids, just focus on them when they're telling you stuff. Don't be looking at your phone. Don't be researching puppies online. Don't be doing any of that stuff. Give them your attention. And when they ask you to do something, just get up and do it right then and handle it instead of, backburnering it for 20 minutes so you can look at your Instagram or look at whatever you're doing. So, little word to the wise there. Don't do what I did. Also, adjusting our vocabulary. That goes in with this communication, too. And I know it sounds really stupid, but it surprises me how many parents I hear cuss and swear around their kids. And I know you may be able to do it and get away with it when they're really young or little, but I'm just saying that's going to bite you in the ass one day when your five-year-old says fuck when they drop their milk, right? That's going to happen because you've been conditioning them for so long. You're cussing. You're saying naughty words, and they're – I'm telling you, they're just soaking up everything you're saying. So when you're saying these words, they are correlating that with language, right? And they're going to say these things. I try so hard. I actually, well, no, not try. Like I do. I don't cuss around my kids. Sure. I've slipped up a couple of times, said a a naughty word, you know, but I, I I'd say I'm 99% where I don't at all. It should never get to that point. I just, I don't know. It's kind of a, just something you need to work on. Also the roles we play change and how we support our kids too. As our kids mature, we shift. We adapt. It goes beyond just supplying those physical needs to feed me, bathe me, take me for walks that made it sound like a dog, but you get what I'm saying, to more complex, emotional and academic challenges, and in their eyes, big life decisions. I'm talking to my girls right now about dealing with bullies or dealing with friends that occasionally treat them poorly. How to take criticism from their sports coaches, you know, constructive criticism so they can become better. And it will continue to evolve. I mean, thank God they're not talking to boys yet. Jesus, like, that doesn't excite me at all. That's gonna be a a whole different chapter. But yeah, I mean, how do you explain when your children go to a friend's house and a friend that's, I'm pretty sure they're friends, is mean to them or treats them very poorly or even pushes or hits them, how do you how do you approach that? I've just been telling my girls saying, hey, you need to call them out on their their bad behavior. Tell them what they're doing is wrong. Tell them that's not how you treat friends. But is that the right way? I don't know. Is that going to go far enough? Again, I don't know. So maybe it needs to be more. Do we contact the parents? Do we Take it a step further? I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm still navigating this as we go here. Also, what quality time and bonding looks like. That's going to change from buying Barbies to buying game consoles to going on hikes together, doing other things that you can bond over, cooking a, a campfire, making a campfire in the backyard. How I bond with my 9-year-old has changed quite a bit, even in just the past couple of years. We do more reading of books together than we do playing with Barbies, which I know she would probably still love to play Barbies with me, but I'm not a great Barbie pretend guy, so I'd much rather read a book. Plus, I think she's at the age now where I could share more of my interests with her and bring her into what I enjoy, like working on stuff in the garage or building cool crafts outside and 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 doing some of those aspects. I think I could start to involve her in that a little bit more, and that's that's fun for me too, hopefully fun for her as well. Also, understanding and empathy adapts and evolves too. Even with my emotions, those, those even adapt. Empathizing with their challenges that they face. It may not sound like a big deal to us. We just say, hey, get over it. Just move on. It's not a big deal. But to them, it's huge, right? To them, it's, it's the biggest thing they've had to conquer or it's something very difficult for them. And then when they're 14, it's going to change again. It's going to be something different. Then it will be boys for God's sakes. And speaking of emotions, I remember times where I would be so frustrated with my kids or with parenting, you know, when they were little or they're crying and I can't figure out why and, and I just don't know what to do and, and I'm panicking probably. And now when I have those moments of frustration, I don't even have to say anything Sometimes my girls can just read my body language or my facial expressions or my tone. And they'll be like, hey, dad, are you mad? Are you okay? And you know, when I hear that, when my kids ask me that, that if I'm mad, it just makes me feel, I don't want to say like I failed, but it, it just makes me feel like I failed. Like, like I've let them in to see me become overwhelmed and to the point where I don't know how to regulate my emotions. And then they're bleeding out and they're seeing that. And it makes me think that I didn't handle a situation that well. And I hate that. You know, I just, I don't like showing them that I am struggling. And maybe that's, is that all parents? Is that men? Is that fathers? I don't know. So if you do, please let me know. If you've struggled like this, let me know. Send me a message, whatever. I'd love to hear from you. Now, even in relationships, those dynamics change as well, not just with our kids, but with our spouse. And this is kind of a big one. Like I've said before, we need to have that solid foundation before anything else gets built on top of it, right? That starts with us, husband and wife. At the bottom, we're the foundation. But as kids grow, the focus of that parental relationship, it can shift, it can change, requiring intentional effort to maintain that positive connection and to support one another. That's, that's a big deal. Does that kind of make sense? I hope it does. You know, we hear it all too often that people start to feel like roommates when the family train gets a roll in and you just go through the actions, the daily actions every single day, going through those daily tasks and, and the rinse and repeat and going into it the next day. We need to avoid that, I don't know, that roommate syndrome so to speak, and really work on each other because that's when it's going to take some extra care, some extra time, some extra work to make sure that you two are in a good space, to make sure my wife and I are in a good place, right? All in all, as fathers and husbands, we need to just continue adapting through continuous learning, flexibility, and a willingness to grow alongside our kids and with our significant other. There's always going to be a lot of reassessing and adjusting and a lot of grounding. I do a lot of self-talk in my head. I don't know if that's everyone, but I do. I, I have this narrative in my head and I talk to myself a lot on how I need to change and how I need to adapt and what I need to do to let go of and what I need to fall into or try next. So. Yeah, it's just a big learning experience. It's a big adaptation. It's a big embracing the change. Our kids are not us, right? And we really just need to remember that and support them in their own individual journeys as well, okay? All right, that's about all I have for today's episode of Stay Home Dad's podcast. Wow, I know, right? Uh, Not really much else to say. I still can't believe that I tried relating, or I did relate, EV infrastructure and change to uh, parenting, but somehow here we are. So, hey, they're not all gonna be bangers, are they? So, but when something doesn't work, we don't just keep doing that same thing. We adapt, right? We change, we adjust, we figure it out. That's what we do. Although I do like to say that all progress is not always good progress, right? iPads, sometimes they're a godsend. Other times they're a brain rotting pain in the ass my precious type of uh, device, (laughs) at least to our kids. But anyways, I know I'm not giving you any real advice here. Uh, Just more words, more opinions on things that I see. It'll get better, I promise. I'll uh, try to uh, get some more hard-hitting topics in here. But remember, I'm no doctor or therapist or expert, anything like that. So take it all with a grain of salt. If you have any questions or comments, please drop them over at podbean.com or on Instagram at statehomedads underscore podcast. And please let me know. I would love to hear from you. I need to post more on there on my social media. I need to put some more things up, put my face on there, but uh, that'll come eventually. But all right. Thank you again for listening and I will talk to you all next week. Bye.